It's that feeling when the energy in the room shifts, when the air gets sucked out of a moment and everything starts to feel wrong. It's the instinct between fight or flight. When your brain is trying to make sense of what it's seeing, it's when your heart starts pounding. Welcome to Heart Starts Pounding, a podcast of terrifying tales. I'm your host, Kaylin Moore. First and foremost, I just wanted to update you all that the podcast has had a really good past few weeks. We were charting in the top 200 podcasts in the true crime category on Apple Podcasts, with a peak at 75. When you rate, review, or follow the podcast, it actually gives it an extra boost on the charts. So thank you, thank you, thank you to everyone who has done so. Okay, no more smiling. Time to get scared. In 2009, a movie called Orphan came out. The movie is about a couple that adopts a young girl from Russia who is not who she says she is and puts the family through hell. The movie, though it received mixed reviews, became sort of a cultural touchstone that even inspired a sequel 13 years later. Clearly it had been on some people's minds for that long. The same year that Orphan came out, a little girl from Ukraine named Natalia Grace came to America looking to be adopted. And her story would go on to parallel the movie in terrifying ways often becoming stranger than fiction. Today, we're going to deep dive into that story. The story of a little girl whose adopted family claimed she was an adult woman conning them. And we're going to pull back the curtain a little bit on that family. A family that would go on to abandon her. To help me tell the story, I've recruited Jeff Topolsky. Jeff was a writer on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and he has an aversion to demonic children, he told me. So I thought he'd be the perfect audience. Welcome to the podcast, Jeff. Thank you for having me. I wanted to start because I texted you, or I sent you an email, and I asked what you were afraid of. And one of the things you said you were afraid of was demonic little girls. That's Yeah, that's top of the list. What is that like rooted in? It, I think it comes from when I saw the movie The Grudge. Yeah. That How, were movie, you like really young when you saw it? I wasn't that. I think I was in, I, I think I was actually probably in like junior high or something or high, maybe okay. early high school. But I just remember seeing that movie and there were so many, it was, the little girl was so scary and the way that she moved was so scary yeah and the hair was so scary and we we like went we're like okay well this is done now we saw the movie and i was like i i'm not ready for to go to i can't go to sleep and so i went to my friend's house and we watched aladdin because i like needed something to like put me in a better uh, space no that's so real like having to watch stuff to decompress after like watching Mm -hmm. something really scary um, yeah. I actually would use Brooklyn Nine Nine, honestly, to like decompress. Oh, good. After I'd watch like really scary things. Oh gosh, that's good. Yeah, I and sometimes it, I don't know. It it's like you're just kind of trying to trick your brain into not thinking about it, but 
I don't know. My brain always goes back to the, if I'm like laying, I'm like, okay, I watched another thing. I feel like, okay. And then I'll go to, lay in bed. And then my, like my mind will always just be like, yeah. how scary that girl from the grudge was. Like, remember how she like crawled down the stairs? You know, I, I just can't not. Yeah. Yeah. It like, it really sticks with you. And actually that is kind of a good segue into what I'm going to tell you about today because it's sort of based on a movie. It's sort of been in all of our brains for a very long time. Mm-hmm. But do you remember a few years ago when it came out that a family had adopted a little girl and she was maybe an adult woman pretending oh. to be a small orphan child and that yes. she was maybe trying to murder the family? Now, this is the movie. This was the movie The Orphan, right? That they made this this movie. Yeah. So that that movie came out in 2009, but it was mm-hmm. 2019 yeah. that the articles came out oh. about that this family had done it. Yeah. And see, I didn't yeah, so see... so it was, it was the, after the movie. Okay, and I didn't even see The Orphan because too scary. I saw that little right. girl on the poster <laughs> and I said, I'm not a uh, pass. That's a pass for me. What I'm going to read to you today is like the whole story of okay. that little orphan girl. Because I think um, the more I read about it, the more the headlines really want you to believe that like this is the movie come to life. This uh-huh. This is like that terrifying movie we all watched. Like it really did happen. But the more you like peel away the layers of the story, the more like nuanced it actually becomes. And there's a lot of stuff happening in the story. And so, yeah, yeah we're going to kind of break it down today and we're going to talk through it. Okay. Um, and so, okay, I'm just going to, I'm going to start reading you kind of like the beginning of it. I'm ready. In 2010, Michael and Christine Barnett welcomed home their new daughter. No, they weren't leaving the hospital with a blanket-wrapped baby, but rather walking out of an adoption agency carrying Natalia Grace, a six-year-old girl from Ukraine. That day was hectic for Michael and Christine. Just 24 hours earlier, they didn't even know Natalia existed. And yet, here they were, signing paperwork to be her legal guardians, her mom and dad. This was what the adoption agency called an emergency adoption. Natalia was surrendered by her previous family for unknown reasons, and she needed somewhere to go. Fast. The Barnetts, who were already on the list for a child at the agency, had only 24 hours to decide if they could take Natalia. And they agreed. But that day, as they went to pick up their daughter, the Barnetts started to realize why exactly Natalia needed to be adopted so quickly. She had a form of dwarfism that would keep her around three feet tall her entire life, and she had scoliosis so bad that she could hardly walk. She'd need to be carried around most places. The Barnetts claimed that the extent of Natalia's disability was not disclosed by the agency, and in a way, this was not what they thought they signed up for. Despite all of this, they left the agency with her that day and brought Natalia back to their family, which consisted of three other sons. For Christine, this was part of her dream. She always wanted another child, but her first three pregnancies were really complicated. She couldn't risk another one. And now, here she was with the final piece of her family in place. But the nuclear, idyllic image Christine had pictured for her family would soon take a dark turn. One day, shortly after the adoption, the Barnetts took a family trip to the beach. 
Natalia was begging Christine to pick her up and carry her into the water. The boys had all jumped into the ocean and Natalia was eager to join them. Christine told Natalia to wait a moment when, out of nowhere, Natalia stood up and ran into the ocean. Christine had barely seen Natalia walk, and here she was, bolting towards the sea. With that happening, what would your like first instinct be if you like watched that happen? Oh my gosh, that's crazy. Um, uh, I don't even know. I feel like, especially, well, first I'd be like, pissed that I've been carrying this person everywhere, and it's like, did I yeah. need to carry <laughs> right. you, really? Like, uh, this is like, okay, I feel like, um... I feel like bad comparing it to this, but, um, like, so we have a dog and our dog, like, uh, when we come in, we live on the second floor of an apartment building yeah. and she, um, you know, we'd come inside and she'd run up the stairs and then we'd go to our apartment. And then like one day she just decided, I don't want to go up these stairs anymore. I don't like them. And we were like, yeah, we were like Googling it and we're like, is she, is she hurt? Is like something, something happened, but like she goes on all these other yeah. stairs fine. So every, now we have to carry her up the stairs every day and down the stairs every, every time. Day. Yeah. And we're like, but she used, she did it for like over a year. She's been going up and down the stairs fine. So it's a little like, I know you can go down the stairs. I don't know. Yeah. It was very, it's very weird, but that only, only ties in, in the matter of every time I carry her, I'm like, I know I don't have to be carrying you. I know you're able to do this. And I feel yeah. like that's probably what, but also more, I mean, obviously that's the first thing to think. And then there's a lot of questions <laughs> yeah. in terms of like, what, right. uh, what's the deal? What's the deal? I know. But as a parent too, after that, after watching that being like, well, I watched you run. Like, do yeah. I really have to carry you everywhere? It's the same thought. Yeah, exactly. Like, Hey, you know that time when you ran into the ocean? Um, maybe you can just do that more often around the house. <laughs> Christine started noticing some other strange things about Natalia after this. For one, she had a very advanced vocabulary for a six-year-old. Okay, maybe that's not something to worry about, but you would think that if her English vocabulary was large, maybe her Ukrainian vocabulary was large as well. That wasn't the case. The Barnetts brought over their Ukrainian-speaking friend one night to talk to Natalia, but Natalia couldn't speak with her. She claimed that she didn't remember a single word of Ukrainian. Yeah, it's so funny. It's so funny to just be like, like that moment of, I mean, obviously we'll see how this story goes, but that moment where you're like, caught where you're like yeah i speak ukrainian i'm from ukraine and then they're like oh we have yeah. someone here who speaks ukrainian and you're like oh gosh i'm so tired now i'm like yeah. tired all of a sudden yeah right exactly like oh it's so late and i'm only six i guess i have to go to bed um yeah. but yeah like that's got to be terrifying like if you're the one if you're the fr fraudster or whatever like trying to prove yourself like that's very stressful but also like it, it feels like the beats of a horror movie of like the parents like one thing after the other being like the red yeah. flag and like this is really shocking to them and i feel like there's got to be so many questions for the adoption agency and I, obviously I, we know that you know as you mentioned they like withheld a lot of information in the beginning but then it's how long was she at the adoption place before she, not very long so not she when long. she came to america she went straight to a family and then they emergency surrendered her so within 24 hours this oh place turned okay so over. this wasn't like they had 
okay gotcha so it's 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 to it's okay to believe that they didn't know a lot of this stuff either natalia also had a limited interest in other children she just didn't care for children's toys and she tended to gravitate towards kids much older than her christine ran a daycare at this time and she reported that natalia told her these kids are exhausting how do you do it that seemed very strange for a kid to say christine thought that's something yeah. like yeah your like middle-aged friend says you know you're, you're like yeah, exactly kids right is basically yeah. what she's saying as a six-year-old girl one night christine was bathing natalia after natalia had a minor but necessary surgery when she called her husband in natalia's body had signs of puberty that a six-year-old should not have Christine started thinking about some of the strange stains she had seen on Natalia's clothing. Was Natalia getting her period and hiding it from her? The adoption agency had already lied to the Barnetts about the extent of Natalia's disability. Did they also lie about her age? They saw a medical opinion. One way you can tell someone's age is by looking at their bones. The doctor that ordered a bone density test for Natalia said the results showed that she was at least 14, if not older. I'm going to pull up a picture on my phone. Okay. Um, of what she looked like at this time, because I want okay. you to see. Okay. So, yeah, describe describe what you're seeing and feeling looking at this photo. I feel like I could see how you would, like, see her and think maybe she's six, but I also, like... It, but also, I don't know. It's one of those things where it's like sometimes when I'm looking, I'm like, yeah, I could see how parents would be like, yeah, she's six, like she's she's six. But also, I could see this definitely being uh, a fourteen year old or older person. There is something about her face. You can't. It's hard to see her body. I'm gonna. Mm-hmm. I'm sending you another one where you can see her body a little bit more. But if. When you see her body, you're like, this is a six-year-old, because, but she's tiny anyways. Yeah, right. So it's like, there is something about her. She does have like a beautiful smile that feels like it. you could take her smile off her face and put it on a woman and it would fit still. Like, it doesn't look yeah. like a six-year-old smile. Yeah. Yeah, it's so interesting. Yeah, this other picture, it definitely is like very specifically the, the body of like a six-year-old and yeah but still like yeah it, it's like that kind, kind of confusing middle middle space with it's like the face is like you're like yeah i think i could you could place that as like a six-year-old face but also if this person i saw this person in like middle school i'd be like yeah yeah she's just one of the middle school kids okay so natalia is maybe not the age that people are saying she is but it still seems like she's a minor and a disabled one at that So she needed the Barnetts. But then, her behavior started to turn menacing. It's unclear if this came from the family right before the Barnetts, the ones that had to emergency surrender Natalia, but it did come out that Natalia was returned from a family for injuring one of their sons intentionally. And Christine said the violent behavior didn't stop when she was adopted by the Barnetts. The following reports of Natalia's behavior come from an interview Christina Michael did with the Daily Mail. The parents said they would wake up in the middle of the night, 
to Natalia standing over their bed saying she was just waiting for the right time. That's what she would say? She would say that she was waiting for the right time. What are you doing? And she'd say, waiting for the right time? That's the creepiest thing you could possibly say. Or maybe she means the morning. I'm waiting for the sun to come up and then we can all start our day together as a wonderful family. But around this time, the Barnett said she was also hiding knives around the house. She would jump out of cars. She smeared blood on mirrors. She would draw violent pictures of the family, claiming she was going to kill the sons and wrap their bodies up in rugs to be put in the backyard. There was a spiteful darkness to Natalia. Part of me is like, so I used to work um, in my hometown. We have like this little nature center that did camps over the summer. Uh-huh. And we, I always worked with the two, like the two to five year olds, like the preschool kids. And some of them, like the most fucked up things I've ever heard people say came from those kids. Like there is like a weird, like they they know the things that you're not supposed to say. Like they would say swear words and stuff because they learn those from adults and they know they're not supposed to say it. But so they would like learn fucked up things like that. Like, oh, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. But not really know that you can't just like say that in society. But it is it is very advanced to go beyond I'm going to kill you and I'm going to kill you and then wrap your body in a rug. It's like yeah. you have a lot of knowledge of how the, you, you've thought it through enough to know like after I kill this person, like then what? You know, you've you've uh, thought yes. you've had some thought about. Yeah. This. So I'll have to dispose of their body, but yeah. bodies yeah. leak. So I'll have to wrap it in something. Yeah. A rug. OK. Yeah. Yeah. Christine told the Daily Mail that Natalia tried to push her into an electrical fence once. And then there was the infamous poisoning attempt. One morning, Christine had made herself a cup of coffee and left it on the kitchen table while she attended to something. When she came back, Natalia was pouring lemon pledge into the coffee. When Christine asked Natalia what she was doing, she said in a matter-of-fact way, Void of any emotion, I'm trying to poison you. That broke something in Christine. She knew she had to do something about Natalia, so she brought her to a mental health professional, who only seemed to confirm what Christine feared. Natalia seemed to be suffering from mental health issues that were more common in adults. So now, the Barnetts are thinking that they have a severely disturbed adult woman on their hands. Christine started telling Natalia to tell people she was 22 years old, but looked young for her age. They took her to a judge, and they had her birth date changed from September 4th, 2003, to September 4th, 1989, legally making her 22 years old. More after the break. Okay, so I'm going to pause right here and I'm going to rewind the story a little bit and tell you some more about Michael and Christine Barnett because I think that this might fill in some of the blanks for everyone. So Christine and Michael met in their early 20s when a friend set them up. Christine was actually about to become engaged to another man that she was dating when her friend suggested that she meet a friend of hers named Michael. This was actually kind of upsetting to Christine. Didn't her friend respect the fact that she was an almost engaged woman? When she first met Michael, she was really cold to him. But Michael had an idea for a screenplay he wanted to write. 
Apparently, Michael talked to Christine all night about this screenplay idea he had, and she was so impressed with his passion. They became engaged three months later. As someone who is a writer, uh, that's the opposite of that is usually the case. If you Mm -hmm. tell someone about your... You don't really... Anytime anyone asks me, like, wow, what's it about? I just try to give maybe a a one-sentence thing, because I'm like, no one wants to hear me talk for a long time about an entire screenplay idea but maybe was it a really must have been a really good screenplay idea we'll never know because he never wrote it and it never got turned into a movie but oh gosh is it too i mean is it too late well i don't want to i don't know what's what, i don't know the fate <laughs> of michael but i don't know if it's too late for this or not but um wow that's so that's so interesting i mean hey i mean that's it's this is really probably very like promising to other screenwriters out there that there totally. are people who (laughs) want to hear your screenplay idea. So just go for it and you'll find the right person. The Barnetts had their first son, Jake, just a few years later. And right around the time Jake was two, they noticed something was not right. Jake was retreating inward, distancing himself from other children. He often seemed in his own world and it was hard to pull him away from whatever he was focused on. And shortly after this, Jake stopped talking. He was diagnosed with moderate to severe autism by age three. I bring this up to say that the Barnetts already had a child that was facing challenges and needed their help. But the Barnetts seemed to take an incredibly different approach towards Jake. See, Jake would go on to become a math and physics prodigy. They soon realized that when Jake was hyperfixated on an object and not engaging with other children, it was because he was learning to do math equations in his head by observing the world around him. The Barnetts pulled him out of his special needs classes and put him in college-level math courses as an 8-year-old. He was accepted into college by age 10, and 60 Minutes did a profile on Jake when he was just 10 years old claiming that he had an IQ higher than Einstein's. In that interview, one thing Christine said she loved about Jake was his advanced vocabulary, which I think is so ironic because that was the exact thing about Natalia that she was like, something's wrong. She like her vocabulary is too advanced. I, yeah. I also wonder knowing that if, if there will be, if there's an element of it, that's like, like, okay, with Jake, we just needed to find the thing. We just needed to like figure out how to nurture this and like direct it and so i wonder if when like very crazy things were happening with natalia if like that's why maybe their reaction at first was like okay like we just need to figure out how to work with this like this is a thing we can deal with like maybe that's a little bit why to them it wasn't as much of a like sound the alarm thing christine wrote a book about her experience with jake called the spark which was meant to showcase her involvement in jake's genius In it, she writes about how desperate she was for children before Jake was born. Here's a passage from that book. Even as a little girl, it was clear to me and to everyone around me that children were likely to hold a special place in my future. My family had always called me the Pied Piper because wherever I went, there was sure to be a trail of little ones on my heels waiting for an adventure to begin did you not read pied piper like that's not what the story is about (laughs) i read the first half of pied piper and i decided (laughs) it was me and i didn't need to read anymore 
Right. Yeah. Yeah, he was just so good with kids. Like, he just played his little flute and the kids followed him around. And that just felt like me, so I put the book down. What else could there be? The spark was supposed to be an inspiration to mothers everywhere. If you're told your child will have limitations, won't ever speak again, never stop fighting. Never give up on your child. The book came out in 2013. That same year, Christine would rent an apartment in Indiana leave Natalia in it by herself with just a few cans of food and move the rest of her family to Canada to pursue Jake's education. The Barnetts said they would pay Natalia's rent for a year, but no other living expenses. Natalia was evicted in early 2014, less than a year later. Michael and Christine were arrested for neglect of a dependent. But because Natalia was legally an adult, they could not be charged with abandonment. They both pleaded not guilty, but later on, Michael would confess to his lawyer that when they left Natalia alone in the apartment, he believed she was a child. Michael. Yeah. I know. Speak up, dude. Get a spine. Look, Michael's a writer. He's not someone who (laughs) is, is, you know, used to speaaking up and voicing his... His, his opinion, so true. So. He's always head down just working on his screenplay. He's always head down working on his next screenplay. <laughs> but things did not end up all bad for Natalia Grace. After her eviction, she somehow found her way into another apartment when one day a kind woman with a southern accent approached her and asked how old she was. I'm 22, Natalia said, but the woman didn't believe her. She told Natalia that she had a few adopted children and that Natalia was invited to come over whenever she wanted. One day, Natalia went to visit and never left, finally with a family who understood her. Cynthia and Antoine Manns, the couple that adopted Natalia, say they have never had an issue with her. This story had a resurgence in 2019 after the Barnetts were charged with neglect and Natalia Grace was invited on Dr. Phil with her new family. Cynthia had a hunch as to why Christine abandoned Natalia. She said, Natalia needs surgeries, and I think that because they have Jacob and they wanted to do the college, Christine's aim was to get rid of her. Because with her having surgeries, they weren't going to be able to do everything they wanted to do, because surgery was going to hold Natalia down. Christine felt like it was a burden. When the couple adopted Natalia, They actually got a call from Christine telling them to take her to a psychiatric facility and get her evaluated because she's crazy and to not believe anything she has to say. Christine has remained firm in her conviction that Natalia Grace was a psychopath parading as a child, trying to murder her family. What do you think? Was she a murderous adult or was she a victim of a crazy family? I don't know what to think. Oh my gosh. So on did has has anyone has it been like when she was on Dr. Phil or whatever like was anyone ever like Natalia did you like do this stuff and was she like no or no or is it just more yeah 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 Dr. Phil straight up asks her everything and that's where we kind of get like the other side of the story on a lot of stuff you know that's where he was like, oh, did you hurt one of the sons at a house you lived at? And Natalia's like, we were wrestling and I fell on him wrong. But the mom thought I was trying to break his arm. And it's like, 
okay, like, I can see how that's your side of the story, but also we were told that you were, like, intentionally trying to hurt a child, so who knows what really happened. Um, And he asked for, like, the other side of the story on the poisoning issue where, you know, he asked her, like, did you try to poison her? And she was like, no, I was cleaning and some of the lemon pledge accidentally went into her coffee and it wasn't intentional. Look, so like, uh, here's, what I'll, here's what I'll say about that. Yeah. I, when I was in second grade, I, <laughs> there was like, a, there was, um, we were at recess and there was like a, a like a bottle, like a, it was like a Fresca bottle um, mm-hmm. on the other side of the fence. And we were like, I don't know. We were like in second grade. We were like, let's get that bottle. And we were like putting our hands to the fence and like trying to get it. And then I was like, pour some out and I'll drink it. And then they like poured some out and I like drank it. And then this kid went and told the teacher on me and I got in trouble and I had to write a note to my mom to like tell her what I did. And when I wrote my note, I said, I was like, they poured some out and a few drops accidentally fell on my tongue. And so like, (laughs) I, that's Classic how I, kid lie. That's how I lied, and so I'm just saying, Natalia saying I accidentally was spraying in it, and someone got in her coffee is like what you would say, yeah, if you were lying. But I don't know. It does seem like there could be you can find the justification of of Christine to like make things up, yeah. But also, it seems like a really big swing to make all of that up too yeah no totally totally it's like it was probably the worst of both worlds where like you have a child who's adopted from ukraine and we don't know anything about the first five years of her life so it could have been like insane and traumatizing and horrible and she could have watched like really messed up stuff and like that's the stuff she's saying to the sons of like i'm gonna kill you i'm gonna poison you like who knows but then you also have Christine, who's probably not the best suited person for that job. Yeah. Being like, okay, well, you're getting in the way of like the fun I want to have and like my yeah. famous son. Yeah. So uh, this is not working for me. That's so, yeah. What, what do you, what, what do you think? What, what, who's, what, do you think she's a murderous, a murderous person? Do you think? No, but I, I feel like she probably did threaten to kill the family. But it's also, like I said, when I worked with the, uh, like five-year-olds like they would also threaten to kill each other like it it was like we kids would say they had guns like you know i don't know maybe it was like a particularly bad group of kids but like i remember one kid who i babysat until he was like 14 and i watched him grow up to be a very normal kid but i remember when he was at that camp he like he told me he was gonna kill himself because he had just like heard it somewhere yeah and like you know so yeah i don't i don't know like i i wouldn't doubt that she said messed up stuff to them um but i don't know how much you actually mean it when you're a child but then if they're thinking she's an adult and they're i don't you know i don't know it's also tough because it's like when if she if she is actually an adult and saying that stuff but it still is like well she could be this born in 1989 a great year or be that old now (laughs) but it's a question of like since there's no clarity on what happened before this like there's no idea where she's at like developmentally like there's no yeah totally she could be older but never grew up in a weird situation where she 
still basically has like the mind of a kid you know like it's yeah totally so it's definitely a bit, it's a bit unclear yeah it's you, so it's so yeah. unclear that's why i like to dig into these stories because i think like you know when the article came out i'm pretty sure her life rights sold or like someone got the rights to like that story and they were going to make a movie about it and it's like okay but these were also people yeah that went through this like you know, I'm sure the movie version is going to be what the headlines were of like murderous adult woman lives with yeah. like, torments family for three years. But it's like if she was murderous, she would have done it. She, like what, what yeah. was stopping her from just murdering them if she was there for three years? Why would she just tell them she was going to do it? Do you think Natalia saw the orphan? Okay, so that's the thing, too, is like part of me is like the that movie came out the year before this happened. Was it also on their minds? Because I, it was, I was, gonna, it was yeah. so in the zeitgeist when it came oh, out. Oh, it was, yeah. I wonder who all... I mean, we know Michael, as a screenwriter, went to see this movie. That's a he, really good point. He's, he's, he's... He wants to be in the industry. He's, you know, he's <laughs> seeing every movie he can get his, his hands on. So, yeah, it's like, did yeah. they see the orphan? And then they were like, do we have an orphan situation on our hands? Or, I don't know. You know, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I think it's interesting to bring up, too, that Russia banned adoptions of Russian children to families in the U.S. in 2013, January of 2013. They banned it for a while because there was an increase in, like, issues with Russian children and, United, and parents in the United States. From, like, 2010 to 2013, there was an uptick in uh, Russian children that would die like under like undisclosed circumstances some were like ruled accidents some were like maybe intentional um but there was like a russian toddler that died in texas and it was very unclear if the family that adopted him killed him or if he died um of natural causes at two and then there was i don't know if you remember this but like 2012 a family straight up put the russian boy they adopted he i think he was also like six on a plane and just flew him back to moscow by oh, himself wow. just returned him like he was a package like <laughs> oh my gosh yeah it was crazy and so eventually russia nixed it but again i don't know if it's the like the movies and our brains and we're thinking about it or if like i don't know i don't know that's like so, why you know, after I, the movie came out that was happening i'm i'm surprised i mean look i'm i know i'm really focusing on michael it's because i'm a, <laughs> I'm a writer too and i'm yeah this is a special bond michael and i have yeah i'm surprised totally. that he hasn't tried to write a screenplay about any aspect of this that we know of like hey i had this crazy idea it not, didn't happen to me it's just crazy i think right. i thought i would of never do now. this as a father I would, I would never do this this is like i'm writing very you know opposite of my character um yeah. wow gosh that's so interesting mm -hmm. and also it is like you said it is interesting like if they do make this a movie they obviously just have to like there are so many layers and there's so yeah. much but they would obviously just have to like pick a lane and make a decision on who they think is yeah murderous and who's not you know and then that's totally it it's crazy well thank you so much for joining me on the podcast this week of course oh my gosh this was such a this was a very I'm going to like go home. I'm going to, I know you like presented everything, but I'm going to go and research this myself too. So dear listeners, who really is at fault in this situation? 
O, and I wanted to fact-check the story I brought up about the family who returned the Russian boy to Moscow. The real story is that in 2010, a woman from Tennessee shipped her seven-year-old adopted Russian son on a one-way flight back to Moscow all by himself. With him, she included a note that read, I'm sorry to say that for the safety of my family, friends, and myself, I no longer wish to parent this child. As he is a Russian national, I'm returning him to your guardianship. Thank you so much to Jeff for stopping by today. Heart Starts Pounding is written and produced by me, Kaylin Moore. Music by Artlist. Be sure to rate and review wherever you listen and follow the podcast on Instagram at Heart Starts Pounding. Have a heart pounding story you'd like to share? Email heartstartspounding at gmail.com.